Hello, everybody, and welcome to What the Health, a podcast dedicated to helping you navigate your way to better health. I'm Lena Lahire, certified personal trainer, nutrition coach, best-selling author, and psychology student at the University of Calgary. I'll be discussing topics that range from nutrition, fitness, lifestyle, and everything in between so you can feel confident in how to move towards better health physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Thank you so much for joining me. Let's get into our topic for the day. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode. 2020 was a challenging year for most people, and I've really purposed in myself to go into 2021 with a healthier mindset. But in order to change the mindset mindsets we have that are holding us back, we need to recognize the narratives that need to be challenged. I can think of no better person than Zuby, who is unapologetically questioning some of the most common narratives we are being fed each and every day that are draining our mind, soul, and body. Zuby is an independent rapper, podcast host, author, public speaker, and creative entrepreneur with over 500,000 followers online. He was born in England, raised in Saudi Arabia, and is a graduate of Oxford University. He has sold over 25,000 albums independently, performed in eight countries, and achieved over 10 million online video views. Zuby has been featured on the Joe Rogan Experience, BBC, Fox News, Sky News, The Adam Carolla Show, The Rubin Report, The Candace Owens Show, and The Ben Shapiro Show, amongst others. Welcome to the show, Zuby. How's it going, Lena? Happy to be here. I'm, I'm good. Happy New Year. How's things in the UK? Yeah, well, the UK is kind of like uh, Alcatraz right now, but um, we're, I'm doing the best that I can, despite the situation, uh, focusing on my business and um, yeah, just uh, making the most making the most out of this time that I can. I'm going to start recording my next album in a couple of days. Hopefully I'll get the whole album knocked out um, by the end of January and that'll set me up very well for the rest of the year. So I'm kind of taking this time to... Uh, you know, do what I can and try my, try my best not to focus on the stuff that I can't do. Yeah. Amazing. So to kick things off, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit of your background, how you got into your music, podcasting, and why you chose to talk about more controversial topics on your podcast as well? Yeah, sure. Um, so, I mean, you, you did a great intro there in terms of my, my actual background. So I'm someone who's grown up in a range of different cultures, heavy exposure to, I'd say, four different cultures as I was growing up. So my family background is originally from Nigeria. I'm British by nationality. I was born in the UK. I live in the UK now. I went to boarding school and university in the UK. When I was in Saudi Arabia, from kindergarten up until fifth grade, I was actually in the American schooling system. Lots of my friends were American, Canadian, people from all over the world, really, but lots of American influence on me as I was growing up as you can even hear in my accent. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course, living in the Middle East for 19 years um, in Saudi Arabia, totally different culture, system, way of doing things. So the way I approach life, I think, and the way that I think about certain issues, especially if it comes to society and culture and things like that, I've just kind of got a wider frame of reference than most people because I've kind of grown up in that way. Um, in terms of me getting into music, that started when I was at Oxford University. So I, so I studied computer science there when I was in my very first year. I just started rapping as, as a hobby. I'd been a hip-hop fan since I was 12 or 13 years old. 
was a big fan of a lot of different artists. And um, I was actually stuck in an airport in France. I was flying to from the UK to Nigeria, and I had a, a really, really long delay. And I had nothing to do, but I had my MP3 player. I had a notepad and a pen, and I just started jotting down some lyrics. And then I spent that whole holiday period just just writing lyrics down and kind of recording them into my phone, just a cappella. And then I came back to university. One of my friends who actually lived on the same floor as me had a basic recording studio in his dorm room. So I would just go in there, download beats off the internet, rap on top of them, and then, you know, send them out to people via email, et cetera. And people were like, yeah, you know, this is cool. Like, keep doing it, keep doing it. You know, I got some good positive feedback. So I just kept at it. And then less than a year later, I released my very first album, which was called Commercial Underground. I put that out totally independently. I, uh, you know, did what I had to do to promote that. And um, yeah, I mean, I ended up selling 3,000 copies hand to hand of my very first album. So that was sort of the the spark that made me realize, okay, I can do this as more than just a hobby. And um, I mean, I, I left university, I did music full time for one year, moved to London, worked in the corporate world as a management consultant for three years while still doing my music stuff on the side. And then in November 2011, I took the big leap and quit my job and went to pursue a full time music career. So I'm now approaching 10 years into being self-employed. Amazing. I absolutely love your music. Perseverance Thank is you. like, that's a good jogging song. That's like so good. You know, your music is very different, not like super different, but you don't include a lot of the things that maybe a lot of other rappers include in your music. Mm -hmm. uh, you have actually some fundamental values that I really love about your music. Can you talk more about why you've chose to not include certain things like um, swearing, degrading mm -hmm. women? Like what, why did you choose to not go down that road? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's 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 such a funny world we live in where that even needs to be a question, right? Like, why do you choose not to degrade women? Totally. I know. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm hearing myself like, hmm, why don't I degrade women? Um, you know, the look, something funny that people always say, especially in the world of hip hop, but in general, is people always say, keep it real. People say, be yourself, keep it real. And so many people don't do that. Like, all it is with me is I actually do that. So... Mm -hmm. In real life, I don't cuss in I don't cuss in everyday life, right? I don't use profanity in my everyday conversations. Mm -hmm. I don't degrade women as a as a as a hobby. I don't. Uh, I mean, I don't even drink alcohol. I don't do drugs. I certainly don't sell drugs. Yeah. So, and I don't spend my whole life just partying and riding around in Lamborghinis and Ferraris. So, in my music, I'm not going to suddenly adopt a persona where that is my life and that's my lifestyle. Because number one, it's not true. And number two, I mean, look, there's enough, there's, there's enough people doing that, right? There's enough of that stuff out in the world today. There's enough of, if that's what people want from their music or want from their entertainment, there are people who are already creating that. So with me, it's just like, number one, I'm going to be myself. But number two, if I'm going to have a platform, I'm going to have a voice, I'm going to put a message out there. Let me put out something that is authentic and is up, uplifting and motivational and that actually inspires people in a positive way. I love the fact that I can play my, my songs to a seven-year-old yeah. or I can play them to a 70-year-old and I don't need to worry about like, oh, like, oh no, they can't listen to that part. Oh, oh no, silence that bit, right? Like, mm -hmm. I know people who, who play there. I got a message just yesterday, actually, from one of my fans in the States saying, just thanking me for being one of the only rappers who she can play in the car with her children, Yeah, you know? and not have to worry about them like picking up some crazy language or hearing something that, 
is really age inappropriate or whatever. So it's not um it's not that tactical to me. It is just who I am. But even from a sort of brand point of view, I like the fact that I can put music out there that people can enjoy and regardless of their age or their background or whatever, and it's not going to be filling up their minds with all kinds of, I don't know, all kinds of messaging that I don't think is particularly uh, constructive or helpful to them or perhaps society as a whole. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I really do feel that your music has substance to it. And I really appreciate it, really appreciate it. You know, from as a Christian woman, I appreciate it as someone who has values and beliefs. I, I really appreciate that. So you are not shy about challenging current narratives and nope. bringing up really controversial <laughs> subjects on your podcast, which I love. And, you. and, you know, the other thing I love is that you have people on your show that have varying opinions that may not necessarily agree with you and you're you're not unwilling to have those people on your show. I also appreciate that about you. But what are some of the mainstream media's current narratives that you really feel on your heart to challenge in 2021? Wow. Um, look, I mean, the most obvious one right now is the whole pandemic situation, right? These we've we're now a year into this and they've been you know i think what the media has done to people is i don't want to say anything is unforgivable because i am a christian like yourself but i think that they have terrorized the population not just here in the uk or in the us like they have broken people they've broken a certain percentage of the population who are no longer able to think critically or even just apply logic and rationale and science as much as they keep yelling the word science at us. They're just going along with this doomsday fear-induced hysteria and not just thinking of, okay, does this make sense? Does that make sense? Like the governments are literally taking people's most basic civil liberties. In the UK right now, for me to leave, for me to walk out the door, that door right now, legally, I'm supposed to have like a specific reason. Right. It can't I can't right? like if I just want to I just want to walk outside and I just want to go see a friend. Right. That that's technically illegal. That's OK. Not. And not only is that the case, you know, and I, I'm healthy, by the way, I'm, I'm perfectly, perfectly healthy. I've been healthy for the past year. I don't I'm not some, uh, you know, virus super spreader or whatever they call them. Right. So they're treating perfectly healthy people as if they are as if they have leprosy, as if, as if we're all just diseased and we can't see each other and we can't talk to each other and we can't interact or see our own family, etc. because we're all just, you know, spreading disease. And not only is the media doing that, but they've convinced a certain, you know, a significant percentage of the population that that is okay. And that these infinite lockdowns, the UK is now on its fourth lockdown, right? The first three didn't work. <laughs> so I don't I don't know why right if I always say like if the previous ones worked you wouldn't need another one and if it didn't work why are you repeating something that you've already proven is not an effective strategy and there's no end in sight they haven't even been like okay the lockdowns end on this date they're just saying we're just you're just on lockdown until until we decide that um you know that that's not the situation and this is happening all over the world and and you know the I've never seen such a an encroachment on basic I'll just the most basic liberties, freedom of movement, freedom to interact, freedom to socialize, freedom to, to see people, freedom to just go about and 
go to the gym, go to, you know, I think in the UK, I think you can go to church, but you have to like register a week in advance. Um, I know in other places you can't even go, right? It's, so it's just like, it, 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 I'm very upset. I'm very angry at the media because in the UK anyway, the media sort of dictates what happened in politics. If enough people in the media put pressure on the politicians, the cap- a lot of politicians are cowards. You know, they, they tend to just kind of like placate the media because, you know, it's kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just disturbing. And I'm really seeing now that we're this far into it, I'm really, really seeing the the negative social you know, forget, even beyond the economic and financial ramifications, I'm seeing the effects on people's mental health. It's like there's a dark cloud just over everybody. Yeah. Right. You go to you go to the store. Of course, people are, you know, they've got their faces covered, but you can just see in everyone's eyes. Everyone's tensed. Everyone's fearful. People are swerving each other. It's yeah. just it's just really unpleasant. Every time anyone you talk to, the conversation is always about the coronavirus and the pandemic and because there's nothing else to even talk about it's happening on a global scale and all the things normally that we would be doing that we would be talking about you know we're not able to do i'm a professional musician i haven't done a gig in over a year right i'm lucky that well it's not luck i created it but i'm blessed to be in a position where i can earn money from anywhere right i i I do more than just music I'm, i'm an author i'm a podcaster i'm a coach i do a lot i have a lot of sources of income so even if one of them is cut off i can still do other things but not everyone is in that situation. And if this had happened even in 2017 or 2018, I have no idea what I would be doing. I probably would have had to move back in with my parents because my 95% of my income would have just been cut off. Um, so unless I'm going to go on like government welfare or something, I would have just been sitting around for a year not being able to earn any money. And there are lots of people who are in that situation. And then there are others who are just, you know, getting checks from the government. And the government's just printing billions, trillions of pounds and dollars, and that's going to lead to inflation and debt down the line. It's it's just a madness. You know, it's a madness. And the fact that anyone who wants to point out the things that I'm saying, you know, is going to suddenly be accused of, oh, Zuby wants to kill my grandma. Zuby doesn't care about people's lives. Zuby and it's just like I... I have zero tolerance for that these days. Like, I, I will just flip it on them. I'll just be like, oh, well, you don't care about people dying of cancer and you don't care about su- increased suicides and you don't care about uh, people being millions of people being unemployed and you don't care about the future generation being in debt, whatever. I'm like, Look, if you want to play that game, if you want to go to the accusations, I can flip that on you just as much. So let's not play that game and let's actually try to take a holistic approach and balance this thing out and say, okay, this is reasonable. This is not reasonable. We should do this. We should not do that rather than just this top-down hammering of us, which is which has been going on. Um, I'm personally of the opinion that what we need is large-scale civil disobedience. Um, I think other people think that we need large-scale civil obedience. I think the opposite. I think this would end... I think if everybody was like me, this would have ended six months ago. Yeah. That's what I think. I think, I think this would have ended very, very quickly if more people thought like I do. But I understand that not everybody does. And so here we are in this weird purgatory. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's really interesting because while your views seem to be on the contrary, there's a lot of people that, because I share those same views, there's a lot Mm -hmm. of people that think like us. I mean, my husband and I have this conversation every single day. (laughs) (laughs) And, and I just think, what if, you know, what if a thousand people said no, what if 10,000 people said no? What if a million people said no? Like, why, why do you think people aren't saying no? Mm. 
The reality is that leaders are few and far between, yeah. right? The majority of people is always going to go with the majority of people. And that can, and that tide can turn quite quickly, right? So, and, and you, you feel this, right? The, the effect of social pressure on human beings is incredibly difficult to understate. I mean, if, if you, okay, say you, I don't know, if you, if you walk into a room or a st store or a venue or something, okay, and there's a hundred people in there, let's use a relevant example, and 98 of them are wearing masks. You feel weird if you don't wear a mask. Mm -hmm. And most people, majority of people, well over 50% of people will put a mask on, not because of any logical reason, but because everyone else is wearing one yeah. and they don't want to be the odd one out and they don't want to face any potential repercussions, like forget any science or whatever, right? Um, however, if you, if you invert that and there is a room and there's 98 people in there out of a hundred are not wearing a mask and you walk in there with a mask on, you'll probably feel a bit silly, yeah. right? It's like, you know, it's like, it's the same thing, right? If you go to a party and you're the one who's like overdressed or you're the one who's massively underdressed, you just feel weird. You feel that natural social pressure. Oh my gosh, everyone's looking at me. I'm standing out, etc. Now there's a tiny percentage of tiny percent of people who can, who can deal with that and don't mind, right? They know they're the odd one out, but they don't really care. Mm -hmm. I'm like that. Some people say it's uh, <laughs> that people <laughs> accuse me of being a sociopath for that. It's definitely not me. Um, but I know that I'm not I'm not the norm, right? I'm not the norm. The majority will just go with the majority. And so and, and by the way, governments know this and anyone who's creating policies, et cetera, like people people know this. They know if they can get a certain amount of percentage of compliance, then you get close to 100 percent. And if you dip below a certain level, then it falls off very, very quickly because everyone's like, oh, well, no one else is wearing a mask. I'll take the mask off. Right. People just assume it's kind of fine. Um, and this goes this goes far beyond anything to do with the pandemic. This is just like a natural human phenomenon. Right. If you look back in history, there's so many things that happen in history and people are always like, oh, well, why didn't people stand up to that? Or why did people go along with this? Or why did that happen? And it's just the combination. It's, it's largely due to fear. You know, fear is the most powerful human emotion. Some people will say, oh, it's love or it's, I'm like, no, it's not. It's fear. Yeah. Fear is the most powerful human emotion. So many things that people do are driven, driven by, by fear, right? Mm -hmm. If you can strike fear into people on an individual level or on a large scale level, and it doesn't even need to be a totally rational fear. It could just be the fear of, um, you know, some level of social ostracize, ostracization or the fear of being called, being called a name, you know? If someone calls me a grandma killer, like I'll just insult, I'll, I'll call them something back, right? But most people don't want to be called a grandma killer, yeah. right? You know, they're like, oh my gosh, that hurts my heart. That's, that upsets me. They get all on the defensive, right? Um, and, and this goes with everything. If you look in the past couple of years, right, what's the easiest way to silence someone who you disagree with? You call them racist. You, yeah. call, them, you call them a misogynist. You call them a transphobe. You call them, you just, you call them homophobic. Like, even if it has nothing to do with what they're even saying. Right. You're not even talking about anything. But, oh, well, that person's right. And people people go on guard. They go defensive. Yeah. Right. And then and then once they're in that position, you know, it's a fantastic tactic. <laughs> it's it's a great <laughs> tactic. Um, and it's very fun to switch on people who try to use it on you. But it's um, it's a lame tactic. And as, as long as long as it works on people, then, you know, pe that's why people don't go against the herd on on most things. And look, I think. There are times when the herd is right and there are times when the herd is wrong, mm -hmm. you know, um, and but if 
a hundred people are running off a cliff, that doesn't mean that you need to run along, run off the cliff with them, right? Just because you're in the minority, being in the minority, whether you're in the minority, or the majority, it doesn't tell you whether you're right or you're wrong. Mm-hmm. That that's the truth, right? Mm-hmm. That's the truth. Um, it can give an indicator, right? Sometimes, okay, if if ninety eight percent of people are doing this thing. There's there's certainly a reason why they're doing it or why they believe it. It doesn't necessarily mean they're right, but it's probably like, okay, if 98% of people do something, it's probably worth considering why they do it because you might not be smarter than all of them. Um, but if it's like, oh, okay, you know, 70% of people think this and 30% of people think that, then that's where it's more like, hmm, okay, the, you know, there's a good chance the 30% is right. You know, the 70%, it's certainly worth investigating yeah. both sides. And not everything has a clear answer, right? Not everything is simple, black and white. And, you know, but you could at least weigh up, you can weigh up the two different sides and you can form an intelligent determination as to what you believe is correct rather than just going, okay, that's what most people think. So I'm going to run with that and just parroting everything they're saying without having done your own due, due diligence. Because um, oftentimes, you know, people just, people get a lot of knowledge secondhand. So people will be saying things and they'll just be repeating them without questioning the source or actually looking at the information, especially in this age of social media, it's very easy for things to just spread. And before you know what, within 12 hours, you've got people believing something that's totally false and actually falsifiable. But as we know, once somebody believes something, it's far, it's a lot harder to, it's extremely difficult to get anyone out of any belief, right? Mm -hmm. Once someone believes something and the longer they've believed it for, then the harder it is to get them out it it can be virtually impossible in fact it can be virtually impossible because the human brain is not it's based more on our ability to kind of i don't know hold on to our convictions and prove our point is right rather than necessarily to be right or to be correct do you see what i mean and depending on some like if you're a pretty intelligent person who's quite good at like uh debate tactics or just like um knows how to manipulate certain things you could be totally wrong on something but you can be intelligent enough to almost make it seem like you're right just even even in the way you talk even in the way you communicate right i could have a position on something that's totally wrong but because of my level of intelligence and my um ability to articulate certain things I can give like an extremely influential and convincing argument as to why my wrong thing is right. And if there's an audience, they'll probably still sway to my side, even though what I'm saying is not actually correct, even if it's like objectively falsifiable. So it's really messy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's so many, I, I just like, I think about studying psychology, all the different things that are going on, uh, in group, out group group think like all of these different propaganda facts like you were saying i mean these are these are things that have been used forever i mean like it's just a social human thing that's going on so you know it's it's very interesting as i kind of take a step back and look at things for what they are um but you're right fear is definitely one of the main emotions that drives us and that's why you see all of these narratives like uh, catastrophe or fears of second wave. Well, of course, we're going to be oriented towards whatever is drawing our attention and that fear response, right? Like we're, we're always going to be pushed to that side. Um, 
because you have challenged a lot of these narratives and people have kind of attacked you for it, you've had a firsthand experience with cancel culture. <laughs> I can't be canceled. I can't people be canceled. try and cancel you. Yeah, they can try. They never win. They can try. <laughs> Can you can you tell us your experience with people trying to cancel you, how you've responded to it? <laughs> um, yeah, sure. So look, the best way to not be canceled is number one, being self-employed helps because like, no, I've got I, I have told people like, yeah, report it to my manager. I like, tell my boss um, <laughs> that's that's obviously a factor. But beyond that is someone who's a, a public figure to a degree and who's built an audience. The best thing anybody can do, whether they're a musician, they are a, um, a creator, they're an entrepreneur, whatever, anyone who's building an audience, you want to build an audience by being yourself, right? By being true to yourself. If I built up my whole music career pretending that I was some left-wing SJW who believes in like all of these things that I don't actually believe in, then I would now be in a position where I could be canceled. Mm -hmm. Right. Because my the people who can cancel you generally will be your own audience. Right. Yeah. Those are the people who can like truly cancel you. Mm -hmm. So if I had pretended to be something else and then it turns out that, oh, actually, I'm not those things and I say something that's antithetical to it, then that's when that's when the cancellation comes. Mm -hmm. Right. If you present yourself as one thing and then it turns out you're the other. So that's what I always recommend to people. I mean, I do know people, I, I've, I know people even in the music world who are like secret conservatives, yeah. right? Yeah. And they can't, they feel like they cannot do what I do, let's say, because they've built their house on a very shaky foundation. So they're like, oh no, I can't do that. My fault, I'll lose followers. I can't say that I'll uh, lose this opportunity. I can't, I'm like, man, dude, you've, you've built your house on sand, right? Mm -hmm. You've built your house on mud. Because I'm like, I can say what I want on Twitter. I can say what I want on YouTube. I can say what I want on podcasts. I can say what I truly believe because that's what my, I, in fact, the more I do it, the more my audience likes me. It's yeah. anti-fragile, yeah. right? It's anti-fragile. Yeah. And I, I've, that's something, it wasn't even con cognizant because, you know, from, from 2006, when I put out my first album, I was always just like, look, I'm just going to be me. I'm just going to be me. And I look, I was very publicly, I was apolitical until 2018. I've, I haven't shifted much politically, but it's just I only used to have those conversations in private with friends, with family, etc. And then in 2018, things came to a head where I was like, you know what, I need to speak out more about certain things. And that's when actually my growth traje trajectory really changed. And a lot of people started to know me, not just through my music, but through my beliefs and things that I was saying and certain things I was talking about, etc. Um, so, yeah, that's, I mean, my experience with it has been, look, if people come after me, Number one, um, number one, I, I know, I know what's in my heart. One reason I don't fear speaking out is because I know what's in my heart and I know what my actual beliefs are, right? I know what I am and I'm not some extremist. I'm not a radical. Some people might say, oh, Zuby's controversial. I'm like, how am I controversial? I'm the guy who doesn't even, as you were saying earlier, I don't even cuss, right? Like yeah. how am I the, con if, if I'm, if I'm the controversial one, then it's the world who's got the problem. Do you see what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, so I know what's in my heart and I have no hatred or malice or bigotry or anything like that towards any individual or any group. And I know that for certain. I, mean, I never have. It's not how I was raised. It's not what I believe. So I can talk openly about things without thinking like, oh, like I can't let out my true beliefs here because my true beliefs are actually, you know, very malicious or something like that. Mm -hmm. So I can just be myself and I can speak freely. And 
if people, you know, misinterpret things, um, if it's unintentional, then I'm happy to clarify. If it's someone who's intentionally trying to warp what I'm saying or mischaracterize me, then they're the ones, they're the one who is in the wrong, mm-hmm. right? By trying to unfairly char- uh, mischaracterize me. And I will always, I will stand up for myself. You know, I'll stand up for myself. My fans will stand up for me. My followers will stand up for me. They'll vouch for me. So I'm in actually a very powerful position in that regard of not being someone who you can just, oh, I'm just going to throw this thing at this guy and he's going to like, you know, he's going to cower and back down. It's like, no, if you throw something at me, like, you know, I've, <laughs> it's not intentional that I've, I've had, I've made dozens of people delete their whole social media accounts. <laughs> not even because I, not even because I wanted that to happen, but because it just backfired on them so hard when they tried to come after me, they just got destroyed and they were, they, they ended up just leaving Twitter because they were like, oh my gosh, like they're the ones who couldn't take it. You mm-hmm. see what I mean? So when you reach a certain level, I really noticed this once I passed about 100,000 followers, people start taking shots at you a lot more, right? Yeah. Because people want to also because they want to get attention because they're like, oh, this person has a lot of followers. So if I attack them, maybe I can get a lot of followers, right? And then sometimes half the, half the, you know, most of the time I just ignore it. But sometimes if someone crosses a certain line, I will, you know, respond to it. And if I respond to it, oftentimes another couple hundred people <laughs> are going to respond to it not because i'm telling them to i'm inciting them to but it's just like you know don't don't play with fire and you won't get burned but you have to you have to show people that because people are looking for weak targets so you have to show people that you're not a weak target when you see all these celebrities or whatever you know they say one thing that uh you know one person doesn't like and then the next day they're all like making some grand apology and what like it's so lame it's so weak like cowardice is my cowardice is my least favorite human trait Cowardice and cruelty are my least favorite human traits. So when I see that kind of cowardice, when the person hasn't done anything wrong to begin with, I'm just like, oh my gosh, stop. Like, never let that be me. I mean, I intentionally do not delete my social media posts because, you know, I've had people be like, oh, Zuby, you know, when you reach a certain level, you should probably go back. I'm like, I'm not deleting anything. They're like, yeah, but what if you run in politics? I'm like, I'm not deleting anything. I want, I want people to pull them up. I want them to pull them up. I want them to be like, Zuby, in 2018, you tweeted that. What do you have to say for yourself? I'd be like, yep, I stand by that. Or mm, I would have phrased it a little bit differently, but, you know, I, just, yeah. <laughs> I, generally, I generally agree. You know, in, 20, in 2019, you said that feminism was a bigger threat to humanity than climate change. Do you stand by that? I'd be like, yeah, actually, if you, yeah, let me explain. Um, <laughs> so, so, you know, that's just, that's just who I am. That's my personality. I don't go out of my way most of the time to... Uh, be controversial or to like cause problems certainly never to hurt anybody Um, but at the same time there's a lot of nonsense out there that does need to be challenged yeah yeah I totally agree I witnessed it firsthand myself I you know working in the fitness industry for 10 years I've just regularly posted about fitness Mm -hmm. and decided like I really had it on my heart to you know go against what was being said talk about how important it is to be healthy to get exercise, governments are telling you to stay cooped up indoors. We need mm-hmm. sunlight. We need vitamin D. I mean, there's mm-hmm. been 18 independent studies that shows that we need vitamin D to mm-hmm. help reduce the risk of, of COVID, yep. uh, omega threes. Yep. So I'm saying this and like people in the fitness industry completely deleted me, like tried to delete me, unfollowed me. I lost, I lost tons of followers for that post. I'm like, I'm telling people to be healthy. Like, this is crazy. Yeah. Do you know what it is? You have to view that as a a gain rather than a loss. Yeah. You know, I mean, 
I, I think a lot of this is purging. I mean, in the past 48 hours, I've lost 4,000 followers on Twitter. Yeah. Right. Um, I know some some people unfollowed me because they didn't like the fact that I denounced the violence at Capitol Hill the other day. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, look, if you are going to unfollow me because you don't like the fact that I'm saying that something is that's wrong is wrong, then please unfollow me. Like, look, I've, I've got over a third of a million followers on Twitter. Like if you if if 10,000 of you go go like I don't want you here like literally like I, I tell people I'm like, if you don't like what I'm about if this like just leave like go right you I want to have like a f- group of followers who follows me like properly not because they want me to be their mouthpiece or because they want to agree with absolutely everything I ever say because at that stage you're just a puppet you yeah. know you're just a puppet and people who truly support you aren't going to do that anyway I've had people be like man are you ever worried that you're you know uh, you're going to like when I did start going a little bit more outside the field of music, I had a lot of people asking me, oh, are you worried that you're going to alienate your music fan base, you know, because they might not agree with your politics or they might. And I'm like, no, because if they're a real fan, then they're not going to be lame enough to disappear or stall. If, if you're if you disagree with me on a political opinion or on like, you know, what I believe religiously or whatever is going to make you stop listening to my music or stop supporting me entirely, then you honestly weren't a real fan. You know, it's like people who worry about losing friends over politics. I've never lost a friend over politics ever. Mm-hmm. I haven't lost a single friend over like a real friend. I haven't lost a single friend over politics because if you do, then that wasn't your real friend. I'm sorry. Like even if you knew them for 10 years or whatever, if they found out that you voted for Trump or they found out that you voted for Biden or they found out you voted red or blue or you didn't vote or whatever, and they think that's a good reason to stop talking to you and stop interacting with you, I'm sorry. That was never... That was never a true friend. You know, I have friends, I have family members. We have all sorts of divergent opinions on things. Some of my best friends are atheists. Some of my, I'm a Christian. Some of my best friends are pretty left wing. Like I'm much more right libertarian, Mm -hmm. right? And we can all, it comes down to respect. We respect each other and we all understand that we're coming from a good place, right? They know that, oh, you know, I'm not like, I don't think that my more left wing or liberal friends that they're, they're, they want to install communism and they want everyone to starve to death and they're trying to like actively kill people or harm people. Of course, of course I don't believe that, right? Just like they don't think, oh, Zuby's this like right wing guy who supports Nazis and white supremacists and he wants people to starve and die on the streets. Like, no, yeah. right? People come up with these like horrible caricatures of what people, of what people believe, right? Um, and, you know, and people, people do it a lot these days with politics. You know, some people do it with religion. They think, oh, you, you know, you tell them you're a Christian. They're, oh, they'll, they'll, they'll run to the most like stupid version of, <laughs> of Christianity or religion that they can kind of like concoct in their head. Like, oh, you believe in, you believe in like magical elves and like a, the, a sky fairy who just like, made the world in seven days and who like, you know, and you hate gay people and you, and I'm just like, dude, like, stop. Right. Just stop. Right. It would be as silly as me. I don't know. You know, and you do get people who are like this, you know, you do get some, you know, whether they're religious or irreligious, you know, they'll just come up with the this straw man version of whatever the opposite is. Right. Someone tells me they don't believe in God. And I'm like, oh, well, in that case, you must believe like X, Y and Z. And you're, you know, and I'm there like telling them they're going to burn in hell. And I'm like, that's not how you (laughs) that is not how you form human relationships or develop empathy or whatever, like we can have a, some of the best conversations I've ever had, not just with friends, but even, um, you know, with, with other, you know, even some public figures are about these questions, you know, yeah. does God exist? Why do I believe God exists? Why does someone else not? 
right? Yeah. And I think an intelligent person who is well-rounded can, like, I don't, I don't personally, like, I've always, been, like, I believe in God, right? And, but I don't find it difficult to understand why somebody would not. Yeah. And that's because I have empathy and because I've had these conversations. So I don't need to, I don't need to straw man the other person's position or other people's position. It's like, okay, I can understand a worldview where like, if I take a step back and I kind of step out of my own personal beliefs, Mm -hmm. I can understand a worldview sort of assuming the existence of God or a creator. And I can understand one, you know, without that. Right. The the one with makes more sense to me, obviously, and that's the one I believe in. But it's not like it doesn't it is not like some crazy foreign concept for me to understand how someone could look at the world and all the stuff that goes on in it and the way people behave and everything and be like, hmm, I'm not sure if there's a God because, you know, why would he allow X, Y and Z kind of thing? Right. I I get it. Like, it's not I, I get it. But then hopefully if I talk to that person, they can also understand my perspective and whether or not we agree then and also 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 it's also humility the -hmm. truth is i'm a christian but i also know i'm intellectually honest enough to go at the end of the day i don't know yeah i i I cannot give you science i can't give you like hard scientific concrete evidence you know when you get atheists like oh well what is your proof it's like look i i cannot nobody can give you like 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 pure scientific rigorous evidence like that that will fulfill what you are after you're you're kind of a- asking for something that, that you can't get just like you know they can't give me some mathematical proof that there is no god you, you see what i mean it's just like yeah. it doesn't it, it's not what it is and and ultimately and ultimately 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 a lot of stuff to me course beliefs i think are important but also how do you treat people yeah how do you treat people you can have someone who claims that they are the most devout Christian, the most devout Jew, the most devout Muslim or whatever. And they're a terrible, <laughs> and the way they treat people is awful, right? They're, they're, they're terrible, right? They think that because they have the right religious view, you get, and you get this in politics as well. You get people who think because they have the so-called correct political view, mm-hmm. that it means that they can just treat people like garbage and that they can actually be like malicious and cruel and attack people all day. And that's fine because they have the right view. And it's just like, no, right? Like, I'd rather hang out with someone who on paper is really opposite to me in terms of our beliefs, but actually the way we behave and the way we treat each other and the way we treat people in general is very much on the same page. Yeah. Like, I'd, I'd rather be with, I'd rather hang out with someone like that than someone who on paper, politically and religiously, they're, you know, supposed to be aligned with me like we we kind of tick the same boxes but the way that they actually behave and engage in the world is not you know it's not it's not good it's not they're not really practicing what they preach there so that was a little bit of a rant but uh hopefully there were a couple gems in there yeah no there's lots of gems in there i mean (laughs) the mindset of humility is is so huge in every single area Um, I also pulled out of there, like not being so black and white. Like we, we categorize people so quickly. Oh, you're Muslim. You must do this. You're Christian. You must do this. You're black. You must be like this. You must have Mm -hmm. had this experience. Um, you know, like you brought up the fact that, you you know, a very small percentage of black people are actually American, right? Like I have a, I have a very good friend from Nigeria and she's like, 
I never experienced what these people are yeah. have experienced in the U.S. because everyone was black where yeah, I was. Yeah, I, I think like maybe one in twenty-five black people on Earth are American, roughly. Yeah, must be about that between one in twenty and one in twenty-five. I think because what yeah. 40, 40 million black Americans. Yeah, and I think there's probably about a billion black people in the world, approximately. So yeah, it's not exactly a representative sample and even amongst those 40 million they're all going to have all different types of ideas and experiences and situations i i'm not a big fan of um you know occasionally for certain things yeah certain labels can be useful but just kind of blocking people into these huge categories is it doesn't tell you much doesn't tell you it doesn't tell you much about them it's really frustrating you know if someone um and it's again it's also it's also dehumanizing right like because oh, we i'm here i'm here i'm talking to lena right i'm not talking to i'm not talking to a white i'm not yes i am talking to a white woman but i'm not talking to a white woman you know what i mean like you're not you're talking to zuby you're not just talking to a straight black male it's like yeah. <laughs> as if every as if every like straight black male has the exact same views on everything we all had the same life every single white woman out there just has the same life and the same views i'm just like guys stop you know like what's up with this like can we just talk to people like individuals as people rather than just throw people into these unnecessary boxes. Yeah, and you've gotten quite a lot of flack for um, you're wanting to be the world a bit more colorblind perspective. Mm -hmm. People don't like that when you say yeah. that. Yeah, again, it look, it's a vocal minority though. Yeah. Most people are, most people, the truth is, this is why it's funny. It's funny why I'm deemed controversial because in some ways it's like a lot of what I say, I'm confident that at least 80% of people agree. Not everyone will voice it the way that I do, but I, I tend to I tend to base things a lot on, you know, on behavior and, you know, like what I can actually observe. So I already know most people in the modern Western world anyway, not maybe not on a full global level. Most people are relatively colorblind. Mm -hmm. Right. It doesn't mean that we don't literally see what each other look like. We do. Right. Yeah. But most people have friends of different ethnicities and backgrounds and whatever and if especially if you live in a city right every day people of all different backgrounds ethnicities whatever are interacting with each other and living in peace and you know everything is harmonious and it's fine like we do this every single day like go to go to new york city go to london go to go to any city and we see this all the time so it's weird when you have these people who are just like oh you know like I don't know, white people and black people just don't get on with each. I'm like, where are you living? Like, wh where, where are you with that you're experiencing this? Like, I've been black my entire life and I've always lived in, you know, I've never been the majority. Um, I've never I've never lived in a black majority country. Um, obviously, I've, I've been to Nigeria and stuff, but I've never lived in one. And I'm here in the UK. I've been to almost every city in the UK with my music. And I'm not just walking down the street and oh, my gosh, like, everyone's looking at me weird or treating me different. I'm like, stuff is fine. Like, I've, like it, it's been fine. It's cool. I, if you conjure up this craziness in your head, then yeah, that might be there. And look, you've got individuals. You, you of course, again, you, you have bad individuals. There are individuals who are racist. There are individuals who are sexist. There are individuals who are, you know, bigots in different types of ways, but it's not the majority. And the majority doesn't stand for it either. Mm -hmm. Right? Like it would be a big problem if like, oh, okay, I'm walking down the street and you know people are calling me the n-word or whatever and not only that but other people are okay with it then i'd be like oh my gosh like i live in a racist country but that is not that's not the reality 
Right? Yeah. It's not maybe maybe a hundred years ago it was, yeah. but right now in 2021, it's just like that. That's not that's just not a thing. And I think that a lot of these isms would like just generationally like totally die out if people stop trying to resuscitate them. Right. Mm-hmm. I think racism has been trying to die out for a really long time. It's really been trying. And like there are certain people who just they don't want it to like they don't they don't want it to. They They want to keep it alive. They want to insert it into conversations where it's not relevant. Right. They, fantastic example. I mean, I don't know when this podcast is coming out, but there was this whole crazy situation that happened in D.C. And how are some people framing it? They're talking about race. Right. What happened in these that what that was not a race issue, but people are there saying like, oh, my gosh, imagine if they were black or this or this is an example of white privilege or this is that. So that they're so obsessed with the concept of race that they can't get out of that frame of thinking. Everything in their brain is black versus white, white versus black, black versus it's it's so toxic. And I'm I'm grateful that in the UK, it's far less like that. Like that's a really American thing. Um, and I know the countries have different, like even in America, you know, people are like white Americans, black Americans, Asian American. You notice in the UK, we don't say black British. We don't say African British. We don't say Asian British. Everyone just says British. Yeah. Right. Everyone just says British. So just something as simple as that helps to reduce that level of friction and just keeping stuff constantly on people's brains to just see like how much you know, people's ethnic background and how much melanin they have in their skin. Like when you think of it, it it's it's such a such a stupid concept. It's why racism itself is such a stupid concept, because it's literally surface level. Right. You're you're looking at, <laughs> you know, like the 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 if, if you were to look at, I don't know, even from a purely scientific perspective, if you to like look at human DNA and like, you know, the, the difference between a so-called white person and a so-called black person is so is so minor <laughs> like genetically it's it's so minor right and in terms of the skin it's like okay this, this these people produce more melanin right yeah. like that that's literally yeah. <laughs> there's this one yeah. chemical there's this one chemical that they produce more of which causes their skin to appear darker yeah. and this person's to appear lighter whatever like if you remove that one layer if like with us two if if you removed literally our epidermis and we just looked like the uh, we're both into fitness you know those uh you know, when you see the muscle charts, yes, <laughs> right? It's got the skin moving, right? It's like, okay, tell me if that's like a black guy or a white guy or an Asian guy or an <laughs> Arab guy or what it's, it's like, it's the same, yeah. it's the same, it's the same body, exact same muscles, same skeletal stru- structure, same yeah. hormones, same everything. It's just that outer layer. And for millennia, people have been obsessing <laughs> over the, over, over the epidermis. And when you think of it that way, it's just like, that's really stupid. Yeah, that's really stupid. Imagine hating someone or judging someone or thinking, you know, everything about them or thinking that you should know even how they vote based on that epidermis layer. It's it's so silly. Um, And so, yeah, that's to me, it's obvious (laughs) and it's been obvious since I was a child. So that's I guess that's why when I do talk about it, like I try not to talk about it too much because I don't want to add fuel to the fire. But sometimes I just got to be like, guys, like, look like this is how silly it is. Yeah. And you know, what I hear you not saying is that there's never been any racism. There isn't still racism going on. Of course there is, but you know, we've made some really big strides. Like you look at the past hundred years and it's almost as if that's all being ignored. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's a shame. My husband is British too. And he says the exact same thing as you do. Like 
we don't say black British, African British, like you're all just British. Yeah. I mean, huge Indian population. You never hear mm -hmm. Indian British, no, right? Like no. it's, you know, so whatever we make salient, that's what mm -hmm. we're going to focus on. Absolutely. Absolutely. What, whatever, whatever you focus on is, you know, it becomes bigger and mm -hmm. it, and also look, human being, the human mind's really interesting, right? We all know what, um, you know, we all have cognitive biases, right? We have, you know, confirmation bias, for example, yep. and cognitive dissonance. So, um, you know, I remember when I was buying my van and I was looking, I was looking at particular vans and, and do you know what happened when I started going around? I started seeing vans everywhere. I started noticing vans everywhere, especially ones that were the, the type I was looking for. I suddenly started seeing, like, oh my gosh, there are so many vans. Like I've never seen so many vans before, right? If you are looking for something, your brain has a way of highlighting it, or in some cases, even artificially creating it, yep. right? If you truly believe, say, look, if you, if, if you truly believe that, okay, you're a woman, right? Let, let, let's use our example, right? If you truly, truly believed that you live in um, an oppressive patriarchy and that men in general are out to get you and that men in general are very dangerous and they're all potential rapists and murderers and that, you know, the whole system not just individually, but the whole system is designed to keep you down, yeah. then you will manifest, you will start to see that even where it doesn't exist, right? Any guy who's a little bit rude to you, anyone who gives you a certain look, anyone who like, you'll just, you'll, you'll be so hypersensitized to it that you'll literally start imagining oppression, right? Mm -hmm. Like everything just becomes, oh my gosh, that was sexism. Oh my gosh, that was sexism. That was sexism. That was like every sexism is now everywhere. The patriarchy is everywhere. You're okay. seeing like a skyscraper. You're like, oh my gosh, that's, you know, shaped a little bit like a phallus. Like this is, <laughs> this is a symbol of, uh, <laughs> I've seen these arguments made. This is the thing. I've actually seen these arguments and I'm just like, you people are crazy. Like you're insane. Like, what are you talking about? Like it's, it's a building. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just it's like that's just how you shape a building um and and it, it just becomes like an obsessive thing you know they're just watching a movie and they're counting how many male characters there are versus how many female characters maybe they're even timing how long the female speaks for versus how long the man speaks and i'm just like what are you people doing yeah like, what what are you doing like this is not this is not healthy like again society in general we already agree that discriminating against somebody um, or being cruel to somebody based on an immutable characteristic, especially, is wrong. Yeah. And if there are certain instances where that happens, most people, well over 90% of the population, would be happy to stand with you and go, actually, no, that's that's not right, right? That's mm -hmm. wrong, right? You know, a man should not treat a woman like that, or, you know, it's not fair what they did to that person. You know, like, people will stand with you. But if people just kind of create this very sort of generic idea of, I don't know, systemic or institutional yeah. or yeah. Uh, structural racism or sexism or homophobia or whatever. And just it's just baked into the system. It's everywhere. And it's like, well, to me, it's not, you know, like the, I, don't, I don't I don't know what you're talking about. Like if you can be specific, then we can talk about specific solutions. But if it's just this like ghost of the patriarchy out there, yeah. then I can't I can't help you. You know, I, I, I can't help you, you know. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's kind of what I think about that. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's really interesting being in university as a 31 year old woman. Mm. It's, 
I can see, you know, the, the hidden messages that are trying to be pushed. And, mm. you know, like it, I have some teachers that want me to believe that I have this whole system against me as a woman. And I'm just like, you know, I've been through some really hard times. I've been through sexual abuse. I don't see every man as an abuser because each person is individual. Yeah. I, I'm not a victim of a mm. system unless I choose to be a victim of a system. Well, it so. doesn't, you know, it doesn't mean that there isn't, you know, the old boys club in, in some, you know, industries, of course there mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I think there's this radical wave of feminism that wants women to believe that, we're more oppressed than we really are. And again, like we've had the suffragettes that fought really hard for us to have a voice, a vote, the right to own property. All of Mm -hmm. these things are fine. Yep. Right. Like we have all of these things. Why are we still complaining? Do you know, a lot of it is because, you know, um, a lot of the dragons have been slayed already Mm -hmm. and people are still looking for dragons to slay. And they, a lot of people, People are kind of like activist minded. They still have that same energy as if we're still living in the 1940s or the 1950s or something. And, you know, we haven't had and won these civil rights fights already. You know, if you live in the UK or the USA, you're going to struggle to show me a law which is directly discriminatory based on a based on race, based on sex, based on um, sexuality etc. In the past, it wasn't hard to find, right? They had like clear laws, right? You had, you had segregation, you had slavery, you had Jim Crow laws, you yeah. had uh, women not being allowed to vote, you had black people not being allowed to vote, or you had like clear laws where it was like, okay, this group can do this, this group can't do that, right? Mm-hmm. Very clear. And actually, for the first time in history, like as of the last sort of, I'd say 10 to 15 years, for the first time in history, and in the first place in history, we don't have any obvious civil rights struggles, right? But people haven't sort of looked up and realized that they're still swinging their swords around, right? They're still, they're still trying to kill those dragons. And it's like, yo, like that fight was already fought and already won. Yeah. Right. So the so-called feminists of today in the West, you're not, I'm sorry, like you're not, they're not fighting the same battle that, you know, the, the first waivers or the second waivers fought, right? You know, the people out there pro, you know, the BLM people, like you're not, sorry, you're, you're not Martin Luther King, right? Yeah. You're not, you're not fighting, it's not on the same level. You're not what you're fighting against or what you think you're fighting against. It's just, it's, it's been done, right? It's not the same. It doesn't, it's not saying every single problem has been 1000% fixed, but the energy that people are using and the way that people are uh, talking about things, they're making it sound like, oh, you know, I've heard people say things like, oh, you know, the USA is just as racist as it ever was. It's just that the racism has changed. I'm like, shut up. Do you know what I mean? I'm just like, shut up, dude. Like, that is nonsense, right? That That's just a nonsensical statement. And then they'll always come back with, oh, so you're saying that there's no racism. It's like, no, I didn't say that either, no. right? And so it's just like, you know, pe- people, a lot of people want to be angry, you know? That's another weird thing. It's a really strange thing. A lot of people like, you know, I was going to tweet this today. Like, I think a lot of people prefer to complain than they like to, that people would rather complain about their problems than find solutions to them. Yeah. Right. Then, yeah. you know, it's like people, people don't really want to sometimes, even what you get this from sure, right? You're in fitness, right? So sometimes people will ask you for advice and it's like, don't you don't it. actually, 
Yeah, you, you don't like you don't you don't want the advice. You want to complain. You want to complain. You want to complain, and you want to feel special. You want to be that snowflake who I'll everyone else can lose weight. I can't. It's like yeah. no. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. Yeah. Right. Oh, I'm that person. Oh, I lift weights, but I don't get stronger. I'm like, dude. Everyone can get stronger. Everyone can lose weight. Everyone can gain weight. Like you're not special. No. <laughs> And, well, and they'll always have some conditions. Uh, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and they'll always frame it, you know, I'm a 42 year old, five foot nine. I'm like, yeah, why are you telling me? Like, it, it'll work. It doesn't matter. You know, does your book work for someone who's five foot three? And I'm just like, yes, it does. <laughs> the rules of physics and, and biology don't just go out the window once you hit a certain age or drop below sure, a certain height. <laughs> it's like, you know, yeah. CO2 stays in the air for, you know, thousands of years now right like people can see people can see co2 it's it's crazy yeah that's funny but what can you do yeah so you're on social media quite a bit how do you maintain healthy boundaries within social media these days it's difficult just because i'm spending so much time in this room (laughs) or just like you know not doing all the things i normally would um Number one is I try to be intentional when I'm on there, like some, cause it's very easy, especially on Twitter for me to get sucked into like a loop of not being intentional and just starting to become very reactive yeah. rather than proactive. Yeah. So I try to be careful with that. I also take Sundays off. Yeah. I started taking Sundays off Twitter um, over a year ago and that helps as well. Now that, especially now my audience is a lot bigger. Mm-hmm. So just having one day to just reset put it, put it away. I know sometimes I temporarily delete the app Mm -hmm. and just stay away from it for a while and then come back. And because it's easy to get wrapped up in the negativity, especially when you, I mean, I get just on Twitter, I get, I turn my notifications off, but I get over 150,000 notifications a day. Wow. Right. And most people can't even fathom what that's like. So yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's like thousands and thousands an hour. So you, you have to learn to just understand you can't respond and reply to everything and you're not going to see everything and you have to be okay with that. And I try to focus on the positive, you know, I'm not perfect at it. You know, like everybody, when I see something, you know, certain things I want to just react to them. And sometimes I do, but the love massively outweighs the hate. So I get people like, man, how do you deal with all the hate? I'm like, yeah, I get a lot of hate, but in a given day, I also get 10 emails and messages from people telling me I've changed their life whether that's just through my tweets or they bought my book and now they're, you know, they're in better physical shape or they've been listening to my podcast or they've been listening to my music and they found it uplifting every single day. I've got dozens, hundreds of people telling me that they love what I do and that they appreciate it and that they support me and that I should keep going. So that massively outweighs, you know, I don't like the, you know, I might get 30 people who are telling me that I'm a terrible person or whatever, or that, you know, they dislike me, but you know, I care more. I, I put a lot more stock into the um, the opinions of my fans and potential fans and supporters than I do random detractors. You know, especially when they're just trolls. Like you go to the profile, it's like this person has three followers and yeah. they created their account a month ago. Like why why should I take <laughs> why should I take this opinion seriously? Right? I care a lot more about someone who's you know and and I get a lot of support. What's interesting as well over the past couple of years is um. I also, you know, get a lot of support from, you know, like, let me use the word like famous people. Yep. 
right? There are a lot of like very, very successful, very well-known people, Yes. you know, people worth hundreds of millions, people worth billions who have messaged me and told me not like everything's based on money. Right. But like, just told me, man, like what you're doing is like, you're doing something in this world. Like keep, keep it up. Right. You know, I, I take, I take a billionaire telling me that they find me inspiring a lot more seriously than I take like a troll account with six followers telling me that I'm an a-hole, you know? Mm-hmm. So <laughs> there are people who I look up to and who I respect and whatever, you know, even some of those people's podcasts I've been on, you know, Joe, like, you know, Joe Rogan will just DM oh, okay. me, you know, Joe Rogan will DM me and just be like, yo brother, like, I love, I see what you're doing. Like you're killing it. Like, you know, yeah. and I'm like, okay, like I care more about what Joe, <laughs> like, so whatever, like I care more about that than I care about like what this random account here is saying about me so you know i know i'm on track yeah yeah and i think you know that's so important because we're online now all the time and i know that i've seen my mental health struggle with always being online um other people's mental health is struggling i'm sure psychologists will not struggle for work following covid you know with with mental health and i did a lot of studying um looking at different pieces of research that have been out for years about Mm. the effects of social media on our mental health, body image, Mm. everything, you know? So I think it's really important to have people like yourself who have such a presence on social media to say, Hey, I have healthy boundaries. I set boundaries. You need to set boundaries too. Mm. And really think of the things that matter taking, you know, certain people's perspectives more to heart than some random person, even if it's not a random person yeah, yeah. that that didn't agree, maybe mm-hmm. they weren't your friend anyways. Yeah, like, look, like I say, like disagreement is totally fine. Like I welcome disagreement all the time. Like I, I, court, I court it almost, yeah. but you can disagree with someone without being, you know, rude or cruel or unpleasant or insulting about it. Um, and that's something that I try to do. You know, again, I'm not perfect with it, but it's extremely rare for me to attack anybody online. I almost never attack anybody. It's actually one of my rules. Like I never, yeah. I, I might I might be quite ruthless with ideas. If I think something is like a really, really terrible idea, then I might attack the idea, but I don't just target, I don't target individuals. I don't like tell my followers, hey, go get this person, you know, like attack that yeah. person. I'm like, no, you know, that's not what, that's not what I'm about. I'm generally, um, you know, trying to put a positive message out there and conduct myself in a way that is positive and it is extremely difficult you know it is very very difficult i mean so up until a, what's interesting with me is like the growth trajectory so it took me i've been on okay let's i'm, I'm on all these platforms but let me just take twitter because it's my biggest one so i've been on twitter since 2009 wow and it took me it took me about seven years to get to ten thousand followers mm-hmm. And then at the beginning of 2019, I had 18,000 followers on Twitter. As we record this, I have 336,000. So from the beginning of 2019 to the beginning of 2021, my account has grown by over 300,000 followers. And my tweets are now doing, last year, my tweets did about 900 million impressions. So just under a billion impressions. And it's like, there's no handbook on how to handle that. Yeah. Right. I'm really working this out myself. There's not like a clear, okay, this is how you approach it. This is the way to do it. This is the best way. It's very difficult. You have to kind of build your own strategy to handle it mentally, to handle it emotionally, 
to, you know, make sure that your fans don't feel like you're ignoring them, but also you're not giving too much energy to people who are just trying to pull you down and, you know, detract from what you're doing. It's, um, it's tough, you know, it's tough. And it does take a certain personality type. Like I've told people like, like if someone was really neurotic and, you know, had, was quite sensitive, what I receive in a day would bury them. Like you yeah. bury them, like literally, um, I'm very, I'm fortunate that my personality type is not like that. And also through my music, I've had well over a decade to adjust to receiving criticism and hate and people attacking you who don't know you and going online and just seeing someone saying some crazy stuff about you when you haven't even provoked it. So mm -hmm. I've had like a lot of, I've had a lot of training in that sense to kind of deal with it now, but it, it does get exponentially more difficult. It's not even like a linear thing, um, but also the positives, but also the positives and the opportunities are are similar. So I've been able to have massive success with certain things because I, again, I have built that audience and I've got that reach. So whether that's, um, you know, I'm going to be putting out my new album later this year and that new album, you know, the potential reach of that is more than 10 times bigger than what it was previously. So I look forward to being able to get my music out to so many more people. If mm -hmm. I decide to put out another book, another course, whatever it is, it's like fantastic. I've got that platform of people who are willing to, you know, check it out and embrace it and a percentage of them are gonna support it. So it balances out in the end. But um, you know, we live in a we live in a new world. All this stuff is very new. And um I think we're the ones who are sort of writing the rules. Yeah. Yeah. So to leave our listeners off what are some mindsets you think that we need to adopt in 2021 and moving mm. forward? Um, I think number one, I'm going to switch what I normally say. I think for now, I'm going to say, recognize that nobody's coming to save you. Mm. The government is not going to save you. No politician is going to save you. Yeah. Um, you know, even, even your friends and your family, they, they'll support you and they'll be with you and, you know, they'll comfort you. But nobody is going to save you, right? If you're not in a good situation, then you can get help and people will be willing to help you. But no one is going to, unless you yourself make the changes and you put certain things into action, it's it's not going to change for you, right? Um, take, a, take a fitness analogy. If you're trying to lose weight, you know, um, I can give you advice. Lena can give you advice, but we cannot exercise for you. We can't eat for you. We can't sleep for you. We can't drink water for you. You have to apply the advice and that goes for absolutely everything. So that would be number one. Number two is something I repeat often, which is that try to fulfill your potential, right? Uh, recognize, recognize that within you, you really have like the seed and you have the capacity for greatness. Like everybody has the capacity for greatness. You can be so much better than what you currently are. In terms of your knowledge, your physical body, your mental health, your spiritual health, your relationships, your uh, network, everything, your, your, your romantic relationships, whatever it is, there's always, always room for improvement. You can always get better. So if you strive for that, um, not only will you make you better, but you'll make everyone around you better. You'll actually be making the world a better place. And also, if you do that, it keeps you focused on the positive. When you're constantly trying to improve and invest in yourself, it limits the amount of time you have to engage and dwell in negativity and, you know, pointless activities and stuff like that, because you will recognize, oh, no, this is this is taking me off my game. Like, I need to get back on this. Mm -hmm. um, so those would be the, the two big things. So like two big messages of personal responsibility. Oh, I love that. I love that so much. You know, 
that's one thing that I try and instill in those around me, my clients. Um, I'm really focused on a growth mindset. So I think you just exemplified that perfectly. Can you let everyone know where to find you? Yeah, sure. Um, so my main website is zubymusic.com, Z-U-B-Y music. And you can find me at Zuby Music on all social media platforms. I'm on Twitter, Parlay, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, at Zuby Music on all of them. Um, if you want to check out my music, you can find that on iTunes and Spotify. And you can also find my podcast, Real Talk with Zuby, on the same platforms as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. It was really such an honor to have you. You're welcome. Happy to be here. Thanks. Thank you so much for tuning into today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed our discussion and gained better insight into how you can be the healthiest version of yourself that you can be. Don't forget to subscribe to my channel on iTunes and please leave me a review so we can get this message of better health out there. Have a great day and remember, you are powerful over your health.